Are you feeling like no one understands your struggles? That you're isolated and alone? Like no one has your back to support, encourage, or celebrate your wins with you? Well, let me personally invite you to join me in the Living Fearless Today Facebook group. Hey, we recently launched the group and are open to other men just like you who want to know their worth, value, and purpose to grow in confidence, find their worth, and appreciate their contributions. So if you simply search Living Fearless Today on Facebook, and uh, then just click to join us. I look forward to meeting you, seeing your growth, and the success you begin to experience in your life within this band of men. This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forrester, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Welcome back, my friend. I am super pumped to introduce you to Chris Tice. So Chris and I met about two years ago over spike ball. Man, just don't go up against him. He's amazing at spike ball. I'm blessed to be able to see him week in, week out. He is a dad, a father of three, a retired firefighter, and now is impacting lives in a huge way as a leadership coach. Chris, welcome, my friend. How are you doing today? Oh, Mike, I'm fantastic. I thank you for that intro. That uh, was just uh, very humbling. And uh, the spike ball thing, everybody, I want you to understand something. I appreciate what he said. I just happened to have a good knee day that day. My knees were actually working. So we'll just we'll just leave that at that. And that'll come up later in the story. But I just I'm blessed to be here. I'm blessed to know you. I'm blessed to to be able to share my story and just to to create that impact. To to see other people recognize the greatness that is in them. Dr. Billy Albrooks says greatness is in you because greatness made you. And that is just something that is just in my heart for helping others recognize that in themselves. And so to be able to be on here and be with your audience and be a part of something that is just transcendent into helping men recognize their talents, their unique gifts, and to hear one another's stories and be a part of the group of speakers that you have had and that you will continue to have. And most importantly, to be able to do life with you, it's an incredible experience. I always say this, incredible people do incredible things. You, my brother, are incredible. Thank you, my friend. Likewise. Thank you, Chris. I'm very welcome and (laughs) well-deserved. Well, let's jump in, man. On the personal side of life, what does it look like today for you? Right now, personal side of life, you know, there's like anybody, there's the ups and downs. If any of you are not listening to this fairly recently, you know, we're we're still a part of COVID-19 and the pandemic. And as you said, I'm a father of three. I'm a husband. My wife and I run our company together. Um, I'm the leadership side. She's the health and wellness side. And then as far as our three kids, I have an 18-year-old who's out on his own and working and and doing life and, and doing great. And then we have a six-year-old and a four-year-old. So the the short end of that is I'm all over the place. <laughs> There's a lot going on. But as far as just me personally, I have I've been riding the roller coaster. 
of, of life where there's some days where I'm just like, all right, we're cruising to the top. This feels good. And other days, man, you just hit the, you just slide right down to the bottom and you're kind of just wondering, where am I at? You know, Hey God, where do I fit into this? Where are you taking me? Why are we doing it this way? Mike mentioned that, that I was a firefighter and I'll get more into that from my history, but there are still days my identity struggles with who am I? And even today, even with things the way they are, you know, life is good. Life is great, but there's still moments I have to tell myself that because I don't always see it. I don't always feel it. And so for me right now and in the moment and what we're doing, you know, we're, we're taking care of our house. You know, we, we mow the lawn, we wash the car, we do dinner together. We go to church and we have amazing experiences with, with people like Mike and his family and, and our pastors and also running a company of which I've had to learn a ton about all the little nuances and, and especially technology. I'm not a tech person. So having to learn that and adjust and pivot has really been more exciting than one I've allowed for and two expected. I had never expected learning and pivoting, even in the midst of struggle, to be as exciting as it can be. That's cool. And that, that can be difficult. And, and that that is truly where I'm at right now of that roller coaster of, hey, today looks great. Oh, today is going to be rough. Oh, today looks great. And so to be traveling on that and feel that and and recognize it. And, uh, you know, my wife and I have very candid conversations about where we're at and what we're doing. And there are those days we're at each other. I mean, to the simplest thing of like, man, can anybody just pick their socks up today? And it's like, okay, where's the root of this issue? <laughs> They're just socks. Let it go. That happened the other day. That's why I'm bringing it up. You asked for Kearney, but excuse me, Kearney Vince. There you go. And that was on me. So not that I left the socks. I was the one who got mad about the socks. So, but it's reality. And that's, that's where any one of us can be at any time as, as individuals and as couples, as business owners, as leaders, as managers of a team, as pastors of a church. And so being able to navigate that and to have a community that surrounds us. I, I get a lot of times I, I make the comment, I have a big community that surrounds me. Well, that's true. I do. I have my own individual community, but I also have this community that surrounds us. And that's been a big focus in our house because we're running a business together, because we're parenting our children, because we we do life at church and we do uh, life with other people and with our neighbors. And having that and having that support and recognizing that has what has translated into recognizing a new, exciting part of life. On the business side, what is the, what, it, what does business look like on the roller coaster? If you've alluded to some of it, but, but <laughs> the, the business side, yeah, yeah. Let's, so the business side, we kind of introed it. It's Eagle Fire Enrichment. And uh, what we do is Isaiah 4031 is built into our logo. And it's, and, the, and even though youths grow tired and weary, they shall rise on the wings of eagles. And the eagle for me is just this symbol 
not in an egotistical way, but a symbol of pride, a symbol of significance. And I love it when people can puff up that pride, like how you see an eagle perched on top of, of a tree or a flagpole. It's just got this pride about itself and it's overwatching what's going on in the world. And then the fire one, we just want to see people's souls set on fire for lot, for God, for life, for their family, for their friends, for their business. And, and then it's also a tribute to my history as being a firefighter. And then the enrichment is when you bring it all together, you're enriching people's lives. And so on that end of it, in that side of the impact, it's, it's going great. The but in this is I've only been doing it for two and a half years as far as actually running the company. I've done leadership for over 20, but to actually be implementing social media, implementing, remembering to track, I mean, the simplest thing, tracking fuel. Never cared about tracking mileage in the past. Now I have to remember to do it. So those little nuances of remembering those things and then also understanding that I still have to remember to take care of my family. And so in running a business and in helping others, I've got to remember to take care of my family and I've got to remember to take care of myself. And on that roller coaster, especially when you're starting out, there are, there's those days where you're like, man, things are rocking. I've got all these appointments set and I've got this person set up for this. And then there's the other days where you're like sending out messages and you're throwing darts at the side of the wall, not even close to the bowl. You're not even hitting the dang full on target. You're hitting the sheetrock clear to the other side. And so then you get frustrated and you start to struggle. And then you start questioning your identity. In it. And, and I have done that up and down and over and over again, where it's just like your head is just spinning. Why am I here? Why am I doing this? What am I doing? How am I doing it wrong? How can I fix this? And that's the overcomer part. And that's been like my big push for my business was still being kind of in that startup phase. Yes, we're having growth. Yes, we're seeing success, but we're also still young. So we're also still trying to get our names out there and who we are and what we do and how we do it. And, you know, once we have the grab, we're, we're good on it. You know, we're hitting the target. But there are just those days that you do, you miss. And the encouragement in this is wherever you're at in this, whether you're a startup, whether you're in the growth phase or you're at the top and you're starting the next, the next phase of business, next phase of life, people still miss. Even those at the very top of their game. I watched some, some very vulnerable and authentic people who are very successful as far as business and finances are concerned. And even they're like, man, I'll tell you what, I missed the mark this morning. And so we, we, my encouragement to anyone who is starting something new or is taking a different direction or in a current direction and is struggling in it is know that we all do. And I have in my business, I still do from time to time. So Mike, you were going to ask me something. Yeah. I was going to say like you and Micah are both coaching people. You're both in business for yourself, although it's together. Do you find with Micah being like on the health health side and you being on the leadership side, does that help you more strengthen each other? Because from your perspective, you're like going, I'm not so much in this lane, but are you better able to strengthen the other? And, you know, like where we're all going to have marital, you know, strife, right? We're going to be frustrated with the other, 
but do you see that you're able because you're going through the journey together that it gives you kind of a, uh, a step up, like it gives you an advantage since you're both in this together from a different perspective. I can go that that goes one of two ways. Um, the days when the, the nice thing is we can, we can truly support one another. So like you said, the, the whole strengthening one another, because you are going through it in a fairly similar timeline, you know, what is it they say it takes, no matter what you do going through the hoops, even if you, you know, get all the books and, and talk to the coaches and mentors and still try and speed up the timeline, so to speak, it still takes about two years to fully get your brand out there, even with social media, the way it is, even with the connections we have. So it's when we have our off days and we recognize it together, yes, we strengthen one another. When we're not recognizing it together, the roller coaster is going downhill. And the nice thing to how we work together is, and we, for context, we've been married for seven years. We've been together for almost 12. So we've learned just enough about each other, finally, to recognize, oh, Chris has got that look on his face. I'm going to leave him alone because that's the better thing to do with me. Or, ooh, her voice just dropped. She's kind of angry. Hey, kids, let's go outside. Okay. Same thing with the business where it's like, you know, people always ask me the number one struggle for her and I, it's actually time. It's time because time and communication. And what I mean in that is like setting dates, you know, I'll schedule something and forget to put it in the phone or I'm scheduling it right then and there. We're not next to each other. Because she's out with the kids. So as far as our schedule goes, for the most part, she does her work in the mornings. I do mine in the afternoon. And then if we're timing things correctly, if there needs to be a change, we make that change. I'll take the kids in the afternoon. She'll go do what she needs to do if I don't have things on schedule. Where we mess up is either A, I'll forget to put it in the phone because we have a shared calendar. Or B, I will be setting that appointment. She'll be setting an appointment at the same time. And whoever sits send first gets it, right? So <laughs> it's kind of like a kind of like a little lottery draft there. Ooh, number nine. I need number nine. And instead you get number 15, right? That that is like our biggest struggle of, hey, I've got this schedule. Well, I had this schedule. Well, who put it in the phone? So as far as the business is concerned, that's like our number one hang up between the two of us running it. The nice thing, again, to recognizing, okay, well, my thing can easily be rescheduled to Thursday. Oh, it can? Yeah, because I don't. I, I didn't have anything for Thursday. I knew this was going on, so we're good. Okay, so you couldn't take that. So it's, it's no different than just how you're working your marriage or especially when you become new parents. You start finding out real quick who thinks what is important and what's not important, right? And even as they get older, but especially as new parents. And you just, what's the word everyone has to use? They use it in counseling and therapy all the time. Compromise. It's the same thing with our business as, as a family-run business. And I've been blessed on this journey. We both have, excuse me, I said I there, that actually we both have been very blessed to know couples who are in business together. And they said, treat it as you two as business partners, you treat it the same as you treat your marriage. You find the happy mediums and middles. And on the days that it swings to one side or the other, you got to accept it 
learn from it, grow from it, apply it. Don't let it happen again. Because when you feel that roller coaster going down, no one likes that. Well, on a real roller coaster, you might. But in the roller coaster of life and in business, no one likes the downhill part, right? So if I didn't like that, what do I do to adjust to fix it? And just because I'm not coaches, very good at technology. Yeah. Go ahead. Like sorry. Just because you're coaches, it's not like it's euphoric and you've got it all figured out. You're you're huh. a human. Well, both of you are humans. Let's clarify. <laughs> and so it's like the same thing that, you know, that is encountered outside of being a coach. It's it's the same stuff. It's the same struggles. You may just have a different understanding or a different tool set, you know, additional tools to to pull from. But life, life is very much the same with the challenges that you, you and Micah are facing, you know, in, in raising, you know, an adult child to two younger children and, and having your business. And it's, so it's not just a bed of roses. I, I interrupted you. Sorry there. What were you, what were you beginning with? No, I, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you said that because it's true. I, you know, with a quote that's used in our house that I, I think I've gotten in trouble for using more than once, but that's, you know, it isn't all daisies and roses. And so the, the advantage in that is, is recognizing it. That's what I tell everybody, you know, a huge part of life, at least in the kickoff of things is just recognizing these things. What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? And, you know, the strengths, I'm going to hammer on those all day. God gave me those. My weaknesses, I will work on as I go. Or if I just truly recognize this isn't me or isn't for me then I need to go find the person that is my strength in that just as the same for her. Now, as far as the business itself goes, we've had people ask us, well, can you two work hand in hand? Because I need that leadership personal development side or our business needs the leadership development side, but we also need a health and wellness program set up that works great together. And we're able to put that together for people and for companies. So our combined efforts, when we're communicating, when we are time scheduling correctly and time blocking it out right, yeah, it's phenomenal. But when we don't, like anything else in life, just starts to starts to crush and someone has to put on the brakes. It's usually her. She's the patient one in the family. So it's a shout out to my wife on that one. But it it's this, you've got to recognize the opportunities in life. You've got to find the positivity even when you're going downhill. There's going to be speed bumps in life. You know, what did Jesus say? For in this world, you will have trouble. But fear not, I have overcome the world. We're still going to have struggles. We're still humans. We're still people. Whether it's in business or in life, whether it's in your marriage or with your kids or just as friends, you're always going to find something to disagree on. I guarantee it. Spend enough time together. You're going to disagree on something. doesn't mean you have to hate each other, right? The same thing with your business. If it's on a downhill slide, what can I do to get it going back uphill? First and foremost, don't give up. There, there are days that I, I have. I've, I'll be honest. I've wanted to give up. I've wanted to say, oh, I just can't do this. Just hearing the intro you gave me today about the impact that, that I've put out there, and I'm not saying this to be narcissistic or put myself on a platform, folks. I'm saying this because I know I'm not the only one that has felt that. You've got to rise up above it. The roller coaster will go back up and get back to the top. You will climb that mountain. You can summit it and then start another one. 
you know, if you're, you. if you're a leader in the middle of a business and you're struggling, there are people out there who can help you, but you'll get up that mountain. I think for you sharing that there is something better on the horizon and coming is huge because both you and I came from a different upbringing where that, that wasn't the message we were taught. Would you mind touching upon that? Where, like what you, what you were brought up with as far as mindset and, and just the pattern set before you? Yeah. So, you know, being raised with a single dad, my, my birth mom left when I was a year and a half. And so I was immediately raised to hate somebody that I didn't even know because of the negative experience from someone else. So that, that eventually led into trying not to judge a book by its cover. Just because you've had one bad experience doesn't make every experience bad. And I say that, I know there's people who don't feel that, but it's, it, it can be true if you truly look at that. And so what led me to look at things more positively and trying to be more opportunistic is when I was 10, my dad was getting remarried. Now, I want everyone to understand something. Do not vilify the characters in this story, please. They made mistakes just like anyone else can make a mistake. And I have made my fair share of mistakes too. I'm just giving you the story because I want you to see how forgiveness works and how opportunity works. My stepmom had my dad call my future stepbrother and I into their bedroom. And they laid out the expert because we were moving in together. We were going to become a family. And he called us into the bedroom to tell us their expectations of us. And it started off with, hey, you're going to be brothers now. You're sharing a room. So that's going to make things a little worse for you. We know you're going to fight. We know there's things that Chris, you like to do and he likes to do that isn't always going to line up. And you two are going to have to learn that and figure it out. Then it turned into the individual expectations. And his was, he's going to do great in school. He's going to be super creative. He's going to go a long distance in life and be super successful. And Chris, um, you're basically going to amount to nothing. Can't will be a part of regular vocabulary for you. You'll never succeed at anything. So, you know, you'll never do good in school, which at the time I wasn't. So there's just no chance for you. I'm 10 years old when I'm told that. Here's the thing. Something deep down inside me said, that doesn't feel right. And I don't know everyone's going, yeah, that isn't right. Well, <laughs> I'm 10. Remember that. I don't have it all figured out. Still don't. And then when I was 14 in Boy Scouts, I was at camp. And for some reason, when I camp out, I always wake up early. My scoutmaster always woke up early. And him and I, he was usually already making the coffee. And so if there's a few other things that need to be done or say it was a cold camp out, I would start restoking the fire. So when everybody woke up, they could come out and warm up. But this particular camp out was in summer. And we were sitting on the, uh, the park bench together, drinking coffee as the sun came up, which we normally did this. And he said, Chris, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, John, I don't know. He goes, what do you mean you don't know? I said, well, I'm not really good at anything. And I'm just not, I'm just not built to, to have success. And I said this to someone who is extremely successful in business and even more so a great leader. He wanted to create more leaders. That week I was senior patrol leader of the entire troop. And he looked at me and said, Chris, don't you ever say that again? He goes, I want you to hear something. You can't don't say you can't 
And that became this thing for me later on in life of my quote of can't never did. Because can't never does anything for anybody. So this whole time I kept telling myself, well, you can't be a firefighter. I wanted to be a firefighter my whole life. Kept telling myself I can't. And so that was my first instant of just someone pouring into me and saying, no, you're worth more than that. Don't ever believe those lies. That stuff starts coming up. You have to change the narrative. And if you're struggling to change the narrative, reach out to somebody. When I went through my divorce, my oldest son is actually from a previous marriage. And that was just a whole flooding of emotions of, I can't even be married. I can't do anything right. That was so not true. And so as time goes on in this, I decided I did become a firefighter after I got divorced. Amazing career, met amazing people, worked with great crews. And along that line, I had not recognized that even though I was doing all these things to help other people, I hadn't done anything to help myself. And what caused me to recognize that I hadn't started working on me was one, I started dating my now wife, Micah. And I was holding, it took me four and a half years to propose to her. And I had a lot of people on me about it. Like she's beautiful. She's smart. We don't know why she picked you. She's smart. She's beautiful. She works hard. She loves you. We don't know why, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and all joking aside, I, I had to start taking a step back going, man, why is everybody saying it to me like that? And why am I not? seeing this. I know she's beautiful. I know she loves me. She is a great woman. She does so much work. She's helping me around the house. She's helping me with my son, Bradley, who was playing travel hockey. (laughs) And she came on the trips with us and helped me along. And it was just like, why? Well, one day I was the president of our psychology club and we always did this big cookout barbecue. And I knew because of all the other people I was involved with that All the other clubs were meeting that same day. And I was just going to ask, oh my gosh, no one's going to show up to ours. This club is serving pizza over there. This club's doing this over there. And they're all meeting before us. And my professor, who I will consider a mentor for life, goes, stop it right now. He goes, you are literally, keep in mind, he'd been teaching for 30 years. Because you are literally the most pessimistic person I have ever met. That was soul crushing. I mean, I I definitely didn't consider myself a big teddy bear back then. I didn't think myself of the pessimist. And it literally came flooding through all these emotions of things that happened to my dad and my stepmom, who, by the way, yes, I have forgiven. Yes, we have had these conversations. And it has created a whole new opportunity of love and support between us. Once I recognized that and realized the stuff I needed to work on on me and getting the help that I needed, then I was able to start working on my relationship. And now we're married. But it took going through all that to get me to where I'm at now to recognize not only do has God gifted me with a way of helping others, impacting their lives positively. He's given me a way to express how we can make these changes, how we can make these transitions together as a community, as a better world. Yes, I'm opportunistic. I'm realistic as well, but I'm opportunist. I'm an optimist because I want to see people live their lives optimally. I want to see you live it, live your life fulfilled. 
be the greatness that God created us to be. Hi, Coach Mike here. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Living Fearless Today podcast. Man, if you're struggling with your worth, feeling you're not enough and playing small, honestly, this isn't your lot in life. There is more available to you beyond this podcast to help you uncover your worth, feel respected, be confident, and play bigger in all areas of your life. Grab a time at highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call to set up a complimentary session on where you're at today, who you want to be, and how you can live the life you've been desiring. Again, head on over to highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call and take that first step towards your life transformation. Within all of the stuff that was going on, like your first marriage, the divorce, and then meeting Micah, where did you join up on, on like the fire department? Where did you join the force after at, what did you say? 14? I had 14 years on the job when I left. Well, I mean, oh, like well, I was 14, 14 with the mentor. Old, was it 10 or 14 when you were told, no, you will never. Like, I was 10. I was 10 years old when I was told that. And I joined the fire department. I was 23 years old. So where were you within those life events? Like that you've shared when you were 23. So I moved out at 19, got married at 20, was divorced by 22 and then joined the fire department. So I was still going through a lot of that during that time, becoming a single dad and everything else when I became a firefighter. But I I have family that are firefighters. And I just looked at my uncle and I said, I've always wanted to do this. This is what I want to do. He said, okay. And we started that process and he supported me through it. He had me meet a bunch of other people who supported me through it. And uh, once you go through all the process to getting hired and, and getting on the job and getting on the floor and being assigned a station, I continued, even though I didn't recognize what I was doing, I continued to seek out those that would help me get better. And there, there were those that had been through the things that I've been through, you know, a rough growing up, which mine wasn't terrible. We did a lot of great things together, you know, but those were the things that set me off in the negative path. Also helped me with my divorce. I wasn't the only guy on the job that had been divorced before. I wasn't the only guy that, that was being a single parent. And I also wasn't the only rookie out there that needed to learn the, learn the ropes and uh, be guided through everything. So I was still battling a lot of those things. I hadn't started dating Mike yet. I hadn't even met her yet. I was, I think I had four, maybe five years on when I, when I met her. So a lot of transition in a short amount of time. But what I didn't recognize then that I recognize now was God was putting me through all that. He carried me through those storms and he put the right people in place. I just had to seek them out. Ask, seek, knock, right? Use the ask method. Hey, God, where do you want me with this? And when you've got those people with you, you've got to do the work. You've got to go in. You've got to take action. You've got to ask them and start learning. Don't just learn. You got to take action. Was your uncle like the, the catalyst that pushed you over? to actually taking the step to join the fire department or were you like holding back or were you already pursuing that to become the, to become a firefighter? Like where were you within that journey? I love this light bulb moment in my life. So 
I was actually really young when I saw my first instance of everything firefighters do. There was an apartment fire right by the house I was growing up in at the time. I think I was four or five years old. And everything I saw them doing, I was just like, this is just, it just, it struck me. You know, it wasn't just about the trucks and the the lights and sirens, because at that age, it usually is. My kids still do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I like literally saw everything they were doing, like laying out the hoses, getting the water supply, going in and, you know, getting up to the balcony, setting the ladders, all that stuff. And it was just like, wow, like this is so much more than I ever expected. And so him being a firefighter and growing up around that, because there's so much more than just fighting fire, especially where we're at. You know, we're a career department, but we also do medical calls. We do car wrecks. You know, we check hydrants. We got to help do building inspections, all that. So I knew it was going to be more than that. Well, when I was still being raised by my stepmom and dad, I, since second grade had officially declared I'd be a firefighter. Well, when I was in high school, and was still going to seek that out. They're like, no, you can't do that. It's too dangerous. You won't be able to handle it. Going back to the camp thing. And so I was like, okay, I give up. I want to be a lawyer. And they left me alone. I really quit asking. Because I settled on a normal career that I could go to school for. Wow. It was just normal. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. I don't it was it was gonna be too dangerous and I wouldn't be able to handle it. And I was like, well, why? Like, <laughs> talk to my uncle all the time about what he does. Like, he never gave me anything that, you know, broke the barriers of, of getting anybody in trouble. But just as far as just understanding the job, he always, you know, we always had those talks. And I just was like, I don't really don't see, you know, what I couldn't handle as long as I had the right people in place to help me. Because there's things that, that you see as a firefighter that you're a part of that we have a great support network and uh, it's needed. But, you know, I understood that even then, but they, they didn't. And it was kind of the typical, well, I don't understand it. So you don't get to do it. And then when I got divorced, I was not behaving in a good fashion. Let's just put it that way. I was drinking and and partying. You know, if I had my son, I wasn't doing that stuff for the most part. But my aunt called me. She said, Hey, it's a festival time. They're going to do the parade. Families are allowed to be a part of the parade. I think Bradley would love it. He was three or four at the time. And she said, why don't you come down here with us? So I got to be a part of the family. And I'm not just talking about with my aunt and uncle. I'm talking about the family of firefighters. And I ran into somebody I went to school with who had just gotten on the job. So we're talking and it just, God just started to stir it in me. You want to help people. You love helping people. This was a dream. You've always wanted to do it. It's time to go. So as soon as we were done with the parade, I walked to my uncle. I said, this is what I want to do. And he said, uh, he goes, well, we don't have time to talk now. He goes, but come to the station on my next shift. He goes, and I'll lay everything out for you. I said, okay. So I got off work that, that next shift for him, his shift day. And I got there. They were, they were able to sit down and talk with me and him and his crew just kind of took me on and took me in and said, this is what you've got to do. This is how it gets done. And so I just started the process and got all the education I was going to have to get and applied and went through the interview and bam, became a firefighter. So as you're, as you're pursuing something that you've been told no before, how did you break off the limiting beliefs or the, just like that negative mindset to be able to become part of that team? Quite honestly, I've never, actually, I've never been asked that. 
But as you were asking the question, the only word that came to my mind was I was too excited. I was too excited to care what other people had said. Is that the first time something like that had happened for you? I, man, I don't know. Now I've got to think this one through. Honestly, yeah, it really was. Like in Boy Scouts, I still earned my eagle. I earned some, I achieved something. So I knew I could do it because getting your eagle is not easy. There's a reason why only 2% of every scout that starts Boy Scouts and scouting earns the top honor. And I knew, so I knew I could do it, but having that support got me through it. But as far as like just those, oh, you can't do this. You won't be good enough. You won't be able to handle it. All that. I was too excited that I was going to actually get to live out my dream. And I, as I'm saying that I'm sitting here just picturing everyone who's listening to this. And if I was in the car or working out, which is when I normally listen to podcasts or mowing the yard, whatever you're doing when you're listening to this, I want you to understand when it's your dream, when it's your passion, when you recognize what God has given you to do, everything else just fades away. It's not that it doesn't still exist. It's not that it's not still in your head. When your heart and your soul are set on fire to doing what God called you to do, it's too exciting to listen to those voices. And I didn't. And were there times when I was studying for it and everything where I, it was just, you know, this chapter is hard. Yeah, sure. But what I do, I asked for help. The chapters that weren't my strongest when I was taking EMT school, I got help. I got help and became strong in them because you have to be, <laughs> you know, and I was not going to let go of this dream and this goal. I was not going to let go. And I got to do it. I can say I did it. And I loved it. Absolutely. Loved it. I miss it. For those of you hearing that I'm retired, I want you to understand, or if you heard the intro, I'm early retired is what I tell everybody. I only made it 14 years. Average is 25 to 35. As far as if you quote unquote, go full career. I had a lot of knee injuries, going back to talk about spike ball, a lot of back injuries and just got to a point where physically, I just couldn't handle the job anymore. And so I guess to kind of transition for a second here, I started asking God, what do you want me to do? And at three in the morning, I was singing a praise song. Thank God I had my headphones in and I wasn't singing loud because we had little babies in the house. And I just finally got on my knees because I'd hurt my back again and it wasn't on the job. I hurt my back picking up my, at the time, two-year-old daughter to the point I couldn't tie my shoes. So I was off work. And I got on my knees and I said, you know, God, either you tell me what's going to happen or I'm just going to go do it this way. I went to stand up and he took my knee right out from under me, my bad knee. And I landed on the hardest part of the house. <laughs> I wasn't on the carpet. I don't know why. Sometimes I need the harder knock, I guess. So God was like, Hey, hey you like the hard way. You're getting the hard way, buddy. I'm built that way. I got a hard head. I got, you know, God's going to make it hard. Right. But I, I did. And he literally gave me the words that if you hear this again, you're done. So the next day I had to go to the physical therapist and I heard those words and it was, I can fix you for now, but, and I just was like, my identity was crushed. I'm a firefighter. That's what I do. It's who I am. And ultimately the lesson in that is no, I'm one in whom Christ dwells. And if I'm going to truly pursue God in my life, in my family, my marriage, my career, my church, that my friends, my business, I'm going to go where he tells me to go. And I'm going to get excited about that. 
and letting go is hard. It still today is two and a half years later. It's still tough. But now I have a new excitement for how I get to help people. Now I have a whole new fire lit under me for how I get to help people. And that is where my greatest excitement blocks out all of the can'ts because can't never did. Now you were 37 at that point, roughly. I just turned 37. Okay. Happened in March. My birthday's in March. So yeah, 37. So, I'm young. I'm not I, picking on anybody by saying that. I People look at me and are like, man, you move around like you're old. And I was like, well, yeah, it depends on the day, but sure. <laughs> depends on what you've experienced and what you've gone through as to how your exactly. body handles it. I mean, oh yeah. You know, so it sounds almost like when you were 23 and you came onto the force at that point, that was almost like this domino that started stuff. And then you ran into your professor, like your professor made this comment. How much later was that? As far as like the, the I had, let's see, when I went back to school, I went back to school in 09 and that would have happened in 09. So I had four and a half, almost five years on the fire department when that, when that light bulb hit. So was Um, that another domino that fell for you to kind to, to move you forward as far as looking at things from a more positive aspect to transition the way you saw things? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I even had, you know, guys that my closest friends on the job, on the fire department were like, dude, there's something different about you today. And that didn't happen overnight. Please. Everybody, I want you to understand Mike keeps talking about timeline. I feel the importance of the timeline in this is understand none of this happened overnight except for the instant moments, the instant moments of being told you're not going to amount to anything. Okay. That's an instant moment, but all the transition that has taken me time. My light bulbs have, have burned very dim. They've burned very bright and they've burned regular because it's just, it's, it's transition and opportunity. And so, yeah, though, all those moments were, were not all together and all at once. And, it's what's exciting now is looking at saying what's next and getting to say it with a smile. And for any of you that are struggling in that, please know that's not every day for me. That's not every day for anyone. We all get caught up in it. We all get wrapped up. And if you're, if you, please know whether I know you or not, I pray every day for people who are struggling. My struggles aren't your struggles. Not all of us have the same story, but when we can collectively come together, support one another, pray for one another, help one another, our timeline will change and it'll change for the better. Yeah, that is so true. And I appreciate you bringing out the point that this didn't happen overnight. And I think that's one of the struggles. I know it has been for me is looking at other people and where I am. And it feels like I'm on this like snail and everybody else is on a cheetah. And so that's why I'm (laughs) wanting to highlight this of it's like, yes, there's this amazing transformation that's occurred for you, but it wasn't like you just woke up, rolled out of bed. And it's like, here's this new Chris it's, it's milestones, right? There's, there's these transition points that you hit. And like you and I have talked about before, we have a choice what to do in those times and your choices have directed you to where you are now in, Hey, I'm now on the ground, you know, 
with my two-year-old, what do I do? And you get, you get to choose A, B, maybe even C, but it's, it's those choices that we make at those times that then determine where we're going and how we're going to go from there. So yeah, I appreciate you bringing that to light and you've touched on both your scout master and your professor and your uncle being like these mentors for you. Were there other mentors that came along after your professor that have continued to kind of change your trajectory and, and give you new insight to, to how to change those old beliefs? Oh, absolutely. And, and not just change them, but also having the accountability to stay out of the negativity. That when you made this transition, example I use in this, and, and I'll get to get to my mentors, but we all have mountaintop experiences. You don't always get to stay on the mountaintop. It's just it's just life, and it's this world. It's how it goes. But when you when you have that accountability to remember what the the mountaintop experience felt like, you know you're going to get back to it. And so I have my pastors at our church. I've got you, Mike. I've got people that I follow on social media that I don't know personally. Some of them have responded to my messages. It, it may have been a staff member. I don't know, but the answer was authentic. So I was like, hey, let's rock with this person, right? And I've even had people I've randomly have run into that, you know, once you get certain amount of friends or followers on your social media, I don't remember everyone who's on there. And I've had people come up to me and say, hey, you know, that message you said the other day just really spoke to me. Ironically enough, that specific day, I, I hope I never forget it. Because it was humbling because I wasn't feeling it that day. I wasn't having any interaction with my social media. I didn't think I was putting out the right things. I didn't think my content was working. I just, I really was. I was letting the devil tell me lies back to the can't story. I was going back to being that 10 year old boy. And this is when I first started, you know, it was, it was to the point of, is my lighting not right? Is my sound terrible? Like I just had no idea. And I had one person out of nowhere that quite honestly, I, I didn't, this sounds bad, but I didn't remember we were friends on social media. I said, man, what you said on Monday, just, dude, I needed it. I needed that so bad. And it took everything in me to smile to it. People are like, wait, what? You had to work to smile to hear that? Yeah, because I was trying not to cry. And it wasn't that I'm afraid to hide my emotions. I used to be. I'm not anymore. It was because I had this inner joy but also this, oh my gosh, it worked. But I also wanted to support him in his moment and be able to, and be able to take care of him during that time and say, well, how are you doing? Because I remembered the message. And we talked about it for a while and it set us both into a new trajectory just for that day, which obviously if you set a day correctly, it sets everything else in motion as well. So yeah, I still have those that, you know, my uncles are, and my dad are definitely people that if I'm, if I'm stepping out of the box in the wrong direction, I'm going to get a kick. My wife, she, she knows me very, very well. There are days where she looks at me and goes, you're a little off, aren't you? Yep. You want to talk about it? Nope. You want to talk about it later? Maybe. I will, but that's, that's her gauge to where is he at on this scale? You know, I've got, I've got people like you that have just reached out to me randomly and said, you know, Hey man, how's things going? How you doing? Where are you at in this? Or when people ask me for help, that reminds me, Hey, 
stay humble because you never know when that moment comes. I don't care what, where you're at in the level of, of success or on your ladder in your journey. Anything at any moment can humble you. And I'm not saying you're going to be ready for everything, but as a good Boy Scout knows, be prepared. Yeah, and for me, whenever I hear be prepared, it's like I go to, uh, uh, what is the cartoon with the goat? Anyways, there's one where there's a goat on the hill and he keeps saying, be prepared, be prepared, you know, <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's goofy. But anyways, for me, that's where my mind goes. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to list it in the notes later as far as which one it is. So as you're, you, you're continuing to grow along this, it's like, you've talked about podcasts, you've talked about mentor, you've talked about community, your relationship with your wife, with Micah, what still has you growing? Like, are, have some of these served a time and a purpose or are they still tools that you utilize today to continue on, on growing? The generic answer to that is anything that can help you grow so you can go do it. For me, I love podcasts and I'm not just talking about being interviewed or, or anything like that, but just anything that fuels the discussion of leadership and personal development. And I love it. Same thing with books. I, I'm not a great reader. Ironically enough, before I went back to college, I only had an associate's prior to being 28. When I was 28 and a single dad, I went back to school and almost finished my master's, like reading stop on the stop sign. I just knew that it was octagonal and red. So I was supposed to stop. Okay. That's how lazy I was when it came to reading, unless I had to do it for work. Uh, if I had to do it, I'd pour everything into it, study, do everything I needed to know so I could do my job, but I did not do it for enjoyment. But now that I've seen how much different life can be, whether it's an imaginary book or it's a realism book, okay, it's a leadership talk. I've recognized that being able to pull at that imagination whether it's real or, or fantasy, allows the brain to focus in on where it needs to focus. Well, what I found out in all that was I have a dose of ADD. So every 30 minutes, I, every, you know, 20 to 30 minutes, depending on how the day's going, I just stare at the wall for a couple of minutes and go back to reading. So I had to learn, but I love to learn. I didn't recognize that until I went back to school. I was like, well, now that I'm doing the topics that I like, now I'm doing the things that excite me. What can I do next? Can I be a part of a mastermind? Can I join a summit? Is there an online challenge? What excites you? What gets you fired up? Where's your passion? Those are the things that truly help me grow. Mike, you and I were talking about your podcast earlier. I've caught up all the episodes and I look forward to Tuesday. Tuesday's Mike day. Tuesday's Mike Forrester day. I get to hear that voice. You had, the, you had the gentleman on that you talked about his voice, right? Yeah. <laughs> Mike's got a great voice too, people. If you heard that episode and you listen to Mike's voice, he's got a great voice, right? So, but it's, it's not just that. It's the content you bring. It's how you bring out the interview. It's your authenticity. And folks, I'm speaking specifically to Mike. Anything that does that just drives me. So find what that it is for you. And you'll continue to want to do it. Not just have to do it, not just need to do it. You'll want to do it. Well, thank you again, my friend. Oh, thank you.
<laughs> and yeah, Grant Grant still does have a one up on us with his uh, Scottish <laughs> oh. act. So the one thing that I wanted to touch on here really quick, and this was to me just something amazing, is that within leadership, you said that there's a difference in a great leader and a good leader. Can you explain and and expound upon that for us? Yeah. So good leaders create followers. Okay. They get, they get people who want to get on board and they want to do it, but whether it's for personal reasons or it's about, it's more about the promotion and it's more about rank and title, you may have followers and you may get the job done. You may have success in it. And I'm not knocking that, but a great leader will create other great leaders. They want it to go beyond themselves. They want to go beyond rank, title, and position. There are great leaders out there that don't have a title. They don't have the title. They don't even want. I've got people I know that are phenomenal leaders that they have had buckets of money practically thrown at them. They say, I don't want that. I don't want that responsibility. I don't want the liability. I don't want the title. But yet they're creating other leaders or they're forging these other leaders that do have that title. And they're allowing that help to, to go from good to great. There's, there's nothing wrong with having followers, but to be truly great, to truly set yourself apart, you leave a legacy that sets it up for the next generation. And I think that's goes back to like what you've talked about with your uncle and the department that you were, you know, mentored and brought up by, like they get, they brought your dream to reality walking alongside of you. And I think what you're talking about of not just bringing people along, but equipping them and raising them up to be a leader of leaders. That is so pivotal and it's so needed, especially now. And so I love the definition. You told me that one earlier before we started the interview. And I was just like, this needs to be heard. So I loved it. Well, you know, anytime that someone rises up above me and I know I got to help them in that journey, I'm more excited for them, for life, for everybody around them than I even could be for myself or what big hand, little hand I had in that. I don't care. I really don't. It's and and, you know, there's a whole section to leaders are, they are this, they are that, but ultimately they're here out of courage to help others make it better because our time on on this planet is not infinite if we truly want this legacy that's going to allow us to keep working to keep growing to keep knowing you've got to create the next generation you've got to feed into that and i'm not just talking about age it's just who's got it next and feed into that very much so my friend chris if you would how can we reach out and follow you and, and get more insight from what you're sharing on leadership and, and this journey that you're on. Uh, the easiest way is, is social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Any of those three, I'm active on all of them. Uh, I check my messages. You can just type in Chris Tice and you should find me. Or like I said, the company name is Eagle Fire Enrichment. So if you see those things, and I believe Mike's going to put put the links in the notes, so you can check that out from there and send me a message. Let me know Mike sent you and take care of where we need to go from there. So 
And if somebody's looking on the health side, will that also get them in touch with Micah? Yeah, I'll make that happen. That's not a problem at all. If you're, if you're looking more for health and fitness, um, you're like, hey, I liked what you said, but I'm already there on that. But I would like to learn more about the other side. Yeah, gladly link you over to her. That's no issue at all. Yeah. And if you I like love running, setting people up together. <laughs> yeah. If, if if you like running, Micah is is your person. She runs long yeah. distances. Yeah. So. At, at the time of this recording, she's actually preparing for her fi- first 50 mile ultra marathon. Folks, I want you to understand about something about health and fitness and about our company. If you think we're going to tell you, you have to go run five miles on a treadmill and you can't eat cookies anymore. My wife married the wrong guy because I love cookies and I hate treadmills. Okay. Everybody has their journey. Everybody has their way. We're just here to support and facilitate that. So don't think that just because she's running an ultra, you have to do it too. Well, Chris, thank you, my friend. Yeah, I'm not an ultra runner. I'm not, I'm a runner, but not an ultra. So Chris, thank you so much for your time and, and sharing your story and wisdom. I appreciate it, my friend. Honor, privilege. God bless you all. Thank you so much. Member Kent never did. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. It helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode. And remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one.